Hello, everyone. This is Lottie Jabri at FMSTM3 on Twitter.com, and this is Regrettably Zoomers. I'm here with my co-hosts, Justin and Tony, a.k.a. The Greek God, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about the political division in America, hit you with some news, and then answer some more questions this week. So, Justin, do you want to start us off? Sure. So there are a lot of factors that I think we can we can attribute to the uh, increased division in American politics and and of the American people uh, on political lines, racial lines, religious lines in the last uh, call it 20 or so years. Uh, I think there are a lot of factors and, you know, we, we can start uh, from anywhere. Uh, the first one that really comes to mind for me particularly, and, and obviously feel free to jump in at any time, guys, is that um, I think kind of coastal elitism certainly plays a role Um as the elevation of of a uh, you know liberal elite media and and those just sort of people um it, it creates a rebuke in the middle of the country and the you know the so-called flyover states uh and then to tie it into politics specifically i think uh donald trump was really kind of a, a big symbolic middle finger uh from the from the middle of the country uh and you know, of course, he he takes he takes power as the leader of the free world. The media um, kind of over exaggerates his his flaws, which <laughs> which we all agree are there. Um, but you know, un- unfairly treats it, which which creates more uh, division and, and disagreement from the, from his supporters, and uh, who who unreasonably downplay his flaws, and and the and the um, the schism really begins to to grow. Uh, as for actual data on polarization, a chart from the from a Pew Research Center shows that polarization has heavily increased, with the amount of centrists dropping by the year in the last 15 to 20 years in favor of uh, dedicated liberals and dedicated conservatives and the like. Um, as for who has shifted the most on the political spectrum, the Democratic Party has shifted well to the left, uh, whereas the center of the the center and the right uh, of the political spectrum have held pretty steady according to Gallup and the Washington Post and, and the Wall Street Journal. Um, now to get into something a little bit deeper, uh, it, it, would, it would be a loss of shared, of shared common and core values uh, in the U.S. Um, shared, shared culture, shared, shared values, shared history, uh, discredited by extreme, very like black and white views of the past and the present of the country. Um, and, and this can be attributed to, you know, far left and, and far right narratives, you know, maybe the far right narrative being the, the, the love it or leave it, you know, like any, any critique of America, of America equal, you know, it, it means that you hate it and just go to Canada, you communist or. Uh, Canada doesn't then, exist though. We've talked about this, haven't we? That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm sorry. Go to, go to Sweden. Uh, and the far left kind of like, Howard Zinn style uh, and and vision of America's past and present, which leaves a, a fundamentally divided republic when you can't uh, agree on you know, on your culture, on your values, and your history. Um, not too long ago, I think the the political system and the political parties were unified at least on the core tenets of of liberalism. And I and by liberalism, I I'm being clear like actual liberalism, meaning like John Locke uh, liberalism, not how it's currently used. Um, American diff- liberalism. Yes, yes. Uh, or, you know, shout out to me, uh, classical liberal, classical mm-hmm. liberalism. Uh, and you can't really have an efficient political discourse when one side, like, inherently uh, seeks to, to tear down and rebuild American institutions uh, instead of, you know, reforming them from the inside. Uh, and so I, it, it, it is a difficult direction um, to picture, to, to be optimistic about. Um, and I think, uh, that the fundamental principles are lost, like when the tone of politics suggests that disagreement is violent, that disagreement is violence, you know, silence is violence. Um, all of these kind of slogans that we hear speech is violence, all this stuff where, um, where, where disagreement is invalidation or it's, or it's violence or, you know, and, and, it, and it's disagreement, on uh, on deeper things beyond you know if if you if you disagree on on tax policy it's now taken uh to much greater lengths than it may have been uh 15 or 20 years ago and as as andrew breitbart once said uh before breitbart news got taken over by steve bannon and ran into the ground um 
culture or sorry, politics is downstream from culture. And we've certainly seen, you know, outrage culture, whatever you want to call it, outrage culture, cancel culture, um, grow significantly in the last several years, which I think, uh, manifests itself into politics. Um, because, you know, as the quote says, politics is downstream from, from culture. And I think the, the tone and the tenor of American politics is, is a lot higher and a lot, um, and a lot stronger than it may have been not too long ago. Uh, some would attribute this entirely to Trump. Some would say it's, it's nothing to do with, with Trump. I don't, I don't think either are, are exactly right. Um, and in the last couple of years, according to uh, Jonathan Weiler, he cites data saying that 50% of Americans uh, hate their political other, at least politically, um, compared to only 20% uh, just 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, if you guys have anything to jump in with, or I can, you know, I, I have a couple of more things here. I'm curious to hear because I've, politically speaking, I've backed off over the past couple of years due to my, due to realizing how little I know and how little developed at least my ideas used to be. So I'm, yeah, I'm definitely, I want to hear a bit more of what you have to say. Okay. Um, so this is, this is from my perspective. I've, I've been trying to lay out, um, the facts with a little bit of, of my perspective at least, but um, my opinion is that I think the emergence of kind of the, the quote unquote new left, you know, uh, which I think begins uh, in, in cultural issues kind of just internet, you know, Buzzfeed and, and Tumblr and that sort of thing. And, and it created uh, something that was pretty unique just to, to internet culture. And, and I don't think uh, had, had many broader ramifications are now, actually having some consequences for, for laws and, and politics and, and political rhetoric. Uh, and I think this, this quote unquote new left and its reactionaries are most to blame. Uh, you know, there, there's a, there's a level of, of extremism there, which is uh, harmful to, to American politics uh, where, you know, when you begin to debate the, the merits of free speech and you begin to debate the merits of, of, of a parent raising their child, you know, beyond the control of government. And then, you know, you, you get, you get a reaction to that, which is, uh, you know, basically troll like extremism, not to call anyone out by name, but Nick Fuentes, um, and, and his types, uh, and you begin to sort of, uh, invalidate the center of the, of the spectrum, which does still exist. Um, and look, there, there's a reason why, why, Joe Biden is now considered to be a, a moderate Democrat or a moderate or a moderate liberal when Biden's considered moderate. That's a first for me. No, absolutely. It's, it, I mean, and, uh, and I, I mean, that's, that, that would be a, a very good, you know, firsthand example of this shift. Um, and I think, I think really it's it, to be specific to politics. There's a, there's a fundamental assumption now of like bad motives and, 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 and warped values um, the actual loss of, of shared values, uh, you know, leads to an exaggerated view of how deep this runs in someone else, uh, which in turn makes the divide even deeper. So it's a vicious cycle with, you know, which begins with, with some, um, with some validity, but then, uh, becomes over-exaggerated and there's really no, uh, way of, of, of reining it in, um, so I think, you know, I, I think, I think people, I think we're really seeing the consequences of people not being able to to unify around uh you know a common american value system and a common american story um and and we might have you know kind of slightly different uh versions of that but i think we all we all agree on the core things there and you know we we all come uh come in politics in a different way um you know to so I, I, for example, identify most with, you know, uh, old school uh, John Locke style liberalism, which today maybe you could say would be close to uh, libertarianism. Uh, and then I, I don't want to speak for you guys if you want to take a moment to, to, you know, outline your belief system for everyone. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go first. I mainly align them and somewhat inspired by uh, St. Emperor Justinian, actually. So... I get many of my ideas from him, what few ideas actually I have from him. <laughs> because 
definitely there is more that I wish I um there's more that I wish I had, but essentially I believe in the idea of symphonia as it is uh called in orthodoxy, which is that rather than the church and state being uh entity well this the church and state in America are distinct entities and they are separate, meaning that there is one government and there are also multiple churches, but there is no one particular church which the government works and has a relationship, an active relationship, so you could um, say. Whereas, uh, whereas according to the theory of symphonia, there is a marriage between the church and the state. They are inter, they are distinct entities. What one does not presume to rule over the other, so both of them are equal. Yet they rely upon one another in order to function. Um, the um, church um, deals with the the church deals with the spiritual matters of the people and the state uh, also enforces the moral law, but it goes beyond this. For example, um, can canon law, church law. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, just one sec. Just, just a second. I just want to interject and maybe, maybe you could sum up, um, you know, your philosophy say in like two sentences, Indeed, just, yeah. just so to make it concise. Okay, yeah, I, was, sorry. I was going to get to that. So essentially, rather than the church and state being separate and having nothing, not not merely separate, but not having anything to do to want, do with one another, the church and state actively work together for the betterment of civilization as a whole. And uh, the power therein of each is greater, but particularly the church in civil matters. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I, I guess I'll, I'll sum mine up in a couple of sentences. I I, I fundamentally believe that when when human beings are left to their natural uh, to to the to their natural rights and liberties given to them, you know, through through natural law, uh, they will perform better both as an individual and a collective uh, than they would under the power of bureaucracy. And it is a moral imperative that the bureaucracy, which has a right to exist for the protection of life, liberty, and property, um, has has a moral imperative to protect these freedoms for everyone. So that, you know, that, that'd be a, a very concise way of, of putting my, my political perspective. I'm most interested to hear what Lottie actually has to say. Because Are we just summing up our like ideological beliefs surrounding uh, government? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah basically, basically. So like in terms of monarchy or our current Republic? Yes. Just, just to give an example of how, you know, we we come at things from different perspectives, but still are are unified on on uh, on some core things. But yeah, okay. just just a couple of sentences to sum up your your view. Yeah, uh, as a practicing Catholic, I obviously understand the appeal of you know the theocratic mindset or the um, monocratic mindset. You know, the wanting to have um, people appointed by God and ruling by God's law. But the issue with that is. Um, it almost never, like Justin said, works the way you intend it to. And it honestly just, I think, personally pushes people away from God um, by trying to enforce God's law instead of having us all with our free will that we were given in a free society talk about why God's law ultimately is what we should be following. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely in favor of a republic. I wouldn't consider myself a monarchist or um, in favor of a theocracy or anything like that in any sort of way. And I'm definitely loyal to the government that we've created in America this far those are definitely some Great. good points because oftentimes um people who tend to be more authoritarian in their civilizations um in their uh leanings they tend to for they they tend to forget but not so much forget but discredit the importance of of the of the people in and the spiritual state of the people both on the individual and the collective level um because these things because there's a relationship between the state um and the and the people who are ruled and a too over a, a too overbearing state um will never be able to work it only can work if the people are ready for it and want it and are willing to work with it rather than against it and that is something and there's also the question of justice as well which we could perhaps get into another discussion about later on but we're discussing political division right now right Right. So, so I, yeah, I, I didn't mean for us to, uh, to go on, on that for, for too long. That was just to, you know, give an example, uh, as to, as to go back to a point I made a few minutes ago about the, the politics being downstream from, from culture. I just want to give a few cultural examples that, that 
came to mind in the last couple of minutes. Um, for example, when people talk about, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to boycott this company because, you know, the owner like attended a Trump fundraiser, or I'm going to boycott this company because, you know, they, they posted something in support of, of, you know, Colin Kaepernick or, or something like that. Right. Um, and of course, like boycotts have existed before, but I, I think probably not on this level. I don't think at least many people would have spoken out heavily in uh, against, you know, a company of thousands of people simply because, you know, someone on, on the, on the board, um, holds, holds different political views. Um, and this is a pretty recent thing. And I think, you know, depending on how you view it, 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 it could be attributed to, to Trump, but I think it's more about the, the, the reaction to Trump which is an interesting way, which is an interesting sentence because I think Trump is a reaction, right? And um, so I, I don't know exactly where you, where you trace its beginnings, but I think we all know where we are. <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe you don't even have to. Uh, and, and so that kind of culture where, where people uh, think that way and, and, and you know, refuse to associate. And, and again, I'm not talking about everyone, but certainly a, a, you know, some people and an increased amount of people, um, you know, refuse to think of their political other as, as, as caring or thoughtful or, or human even, um, it, you know, it then, it then flows its way into politics and you get, and you get, you know, a, a, a presidential debate, like we saw, uh, only a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I guess the vice presidential debate was probably a little bit more civil, but just, just to give an example of it, you know, I, I don't think that's, I don't think the vice presidential debate was expected to be very, uh, very fiery because, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but the, the presidential debate, I think, uh, is, I, I think shows, shows what we all know about, uh, about what, you know, political discourse really is now, which, uh, I think it was a, I think it was a good symbol of uh, just, you know just people yelling <laughs> at each other and, and it's hard to get a word in or have a thoughtful discussion and there are, there are plenty of exceptions um, but it is kind of disheartening that when I see someone you know who is willing to you know agree to disagree or willing to even you know hear another perspective that when I see that it's almost you know it's surprising or it's unexpected and I'm so grateful for it. And while I am grateful for it, it's also, it's, it, you know, it's, it's sad to say that, that something that really should be a bare minimum and probably was um, at a certain point uh, no, no longer uh, is that way. You guys have anything on that? Go ahead. I am somewhat, like I said, um, uh, an answer to I believe Columbia's question last week. I do think it's um, I do think in general there is going to be much more division um, as things continue uh, throughout the U.S. and I don't think it's going to get better. This is only the beginning of a great deal of violence, and as we be and, and I do truly believe that not on a not merely on a racial level but on a political level. And on a religious level, as we continue to get more diverse, we're going to have more equal power bases because this becomes an issue of power. Um, and when everyone equally has power, everybody equally has the opportunity to then attempt to fight for top spot. But no one is, but nobody is ever going to get the top spot if you're all equal. And thus, there will never be any peace then um by a top dog which can be enforced and people and there simply be continual bloodshed until uh one group gives up or everybody has destroyed themselves so uh we have to understand the, uh the problem of power as well and whether or not we are willing to either give it up uh convert or tear ourselves apart those are our three choices mainly unless we want right. if we want to if we want to mitigate the uh violence that is to come because it is a real threat yeah i i, I definitely agree um i, I you know I, I think it reaches it, it it reaches a tipping point um and it feels like you know every couple of weeks you know it hits a new it hits a new tipping point but um but then it doesn't you know it doesn't end because <laughs> generally that Sadly. would right um 
so I think, you know, there, there has to be a massive change in what, in what we're seeing where we have to be able to uh, agree on, on some core things, or at least, you know, have most people be okay with, with these concepts, you know, with the concept that, for example, America's history is, is built on, on virtuous ideas where those ideas were um, for a very long time well, for, for a very long time where the country failed to live up to these um, ideas and, and struggled and, and fought against itself and fought uh, internally um, to achieve, you know, the, 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 the guidelines for the country and, and humanity that the, that the founders put together. Um, you know, and there's a lot of, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of evil and there's a lot of uh, beauty in America's history uh, that, you know, all of it should be talked about and represented and understood. Um, but I, I think there's, there, there's an issue which is not, you know, is not entirely new, but is, is relatively new about a misread or sorry, uh, of a misread uh, in, in, of American history um, where, where people are either, you know, unwilling to, so, for example, the sort of Howard Zinn view, or the or the uh, uh, Nicole Hannah Jones view, the you know the New York Times sixty nine project view, is that all American evil is is unique, you know, to the to the West and the U.S. in in specific, and that all American good and beauty is not unique and is shared by everyone, which I think is really backwards, because I think um, you know the e- evil in America's history slavery, discrimination, um, all these sorts of things are, are far from unique to the U S if you like ever read a history book. Um, but the, but the, 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 the idea of government and the idea of, of natural rights actually, you know, put to test in a country is essentially unique to the United States. Um, which is what makes the history so complicated, but also, um, you know, so fascinating and, uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, very beautiful in a lot of ways, you know, very, very shameful, uh, that, you know, that, that's just one example. And then as for, you know, American, American culture, I think it's, it's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of, uh, of my country of where, where, where people can come from all sorts of places and all sorts of, uh, you know, of, of, of personal principles, but unify in the so-called, you know, melting pot. Some people don't like that phrase, but that sort of idea I think is really, is really nice and is essentially unique to America. Um, you know, and, and American, American values, of course we can agree on, or uh, we, we can agree or disagree on, on, you know, specific systems of government. Um, but I, I, I think the, the, the descent from the, you know, shared values of, of, you know, individualism and, you know, in the American dream and the American adventure um, are, are really harmful to all of these things uh, as well as the general soul of the country. Justin, you mentioned, um, you mentioned American culture and that you appreciate that. One thing that would often come up in uh, debates between civic nationalists and still does come up in in debates between civic nationalists and and, um, ethnic nationalists um, and other forms of nationalism is, is the issue of culture. And that if um, race necessarily um, is uh, tied to, or is the origin of culture, then why is it that there seems to be so many divergent uh, cultures in America, but now I'm not coming at the question I'm about, I'm about to pose from a racial lens. It's more broad. It, it, it's just a, it's well, I'm coming at it from a general lens, which is it truly does in my experience. Um, it seems there is indeed a very broad uh, culture in America, and there is not, uh, and it is, and I think this is partly geographic due to the size of America, but there is not one monolithic culture in America. And many yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, coastal elites, for example, we often find that liberalism is among the coastal elites. The culture they experience and that they create is very much different than what we see in Central America or even among the working class. And often so these people ultimately have 
different conceptions of what America is and what it should be and what they want it to be. And this becomes a question then of what, what is America? What is America? Is the, um, what is America? Is America this? Is it therefore worth fighting for? Is America this and therefore needs to be replaced? The conservative tends to take the former position. The progressive uh, takes the latter typically, but they are almost talking past. They almost, I almost feel like most of the time we talk, we talk past each other because our fundamental, uh, we, we have fundamental assumptions that aren't being addressed adequately enough. And there are certain issues that I don't think are being addressed at all, such as the issue of religion. It's not well addressed enough. Sure. In this country. We, we, and that's one yeah. reason. And we can perhaps discuss this perhaps today on another episode. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, I think that's probably best for, uh, for a different discussion. Issue of religion, indeed. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I want to respond to something you said uh, early on there about the, you know, that, that of course there are different subsets of, of American culture. And I, I, I didn't mean to give off the uh, impression that I'm, I'm saying there's, you know, one, one monolith of people certainly, or, yeah. or, or one monolithic culture, oh, which is, yeah, yeah. What was kind of the point I was trying to get at is, is what makes, um, you know, as I'm referring to an American culture so beautiful is that it's, it's, it, you know, it's a shared identity between different people. Um, you know, it's, it's a shared, it's, it's a shared core core set of, uh, you know, of shared things between people who, who don't share a lot of things who might not share, you know, a, a country of birth, a skin color and, and, you know, and ethnicity, a language. And, you know, we, maybe we disagree on some of these things. I think a level of assimilation is fine, but I think, um, I think part of what, what of part of what makes American culture so beautiful is the is the uh, intense diversity of it, and that that's really what I was getting at. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't uh, as I was so, saying, I wasn't trying to get it. That, okay, that it was one clarification. So let me clarify then myself because um, it's the idea. Um, my concern is that the idea that in spite of these more general, um, in spite of these more um, uh, periphery differences. Um, it's the idea that these that there are central aspects of American culture that various people, um, in spite of the greater diversity, still agree with, and that is my concern because it seems like the i it seems like the central i um, that there is no um, agreement on the central aspects of say American culture. Like so, let's say for example, uh, the conservative word hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, Ben Shapiro um, were to agree with. Um, uh, were, were to think that a central aspect of American culture is personal liberty, and therefore, um, and their ideas of what per, uh, of what personal liberty entails, uh, certain things. There are certain moral imperatives within their idea of personal liberty. Um, the progressive might say the same thing. So, and so, if these are two fundamental ideas, they don't. Um, but they don't in their un fundamental understandings of the same word and the same concept, they disagree. The progressive will have a different understanding of liberty than say the conservative. And so my concern is that even on these, is that we don't even have still, we, we are losing slowly what semblance of a unified culture we have right. in terms of the core views. And that's my concern. Right, 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 yeah. The, yes, the, th thank you. Um, yeah, that, that, that's at least what I was trying to get at earlier. Um, so I, I think I, I think we've kind of established, you know, this that there there is an issue here and, and the, the numbers behind it and our perspectives on it. Unless unless uh, I want to give Lottie the chance to say something if she has something to say. So what specifically was the question? I was listening to Tony for a long time. <laughs> yeah, there was um, there wasn't a specific. My apologies. I, I was trying to say. <laughs> okay. What, I was. I, I get long-winded and my it's a bad habit of mine. And my, so my concern was essentially what do we even, um, do we even, un, um, do we even agree on what on the central tenets of America? So let me, let me, let me, let me, maybe, maybe, let, let me maybe phrase it this way. Um, what, you know, what, what do Americans share currently mm -hmm. uh, and, and what do they not and what should Americans share, you know, ideally? Yes. Yes. Um, a good way of putting it. 
Well, it's it's really sad because Americans used to share a lot more than we do. You used to be able to be friends with people um, on opposite sides of the political aisle because at the end of the day, you know, you could all unite behind the fact that you're Americans and we are all still Americans. But the problem is that a lot of people don't have the same sense of national pride um, as Democrats that they used to because now Democrats have been more like, oh, America's evil and it was built off slavery and, you know, it's awful, yada, yada, yada. It's just talking about how American values at their core are evil so really it's difficult to find a middle ground anymore because the middle ground that we used to have that uh love for our country and what our country stands for um it used to always be at the end of the day for us to unite on is it's gone because the far left has um decided that america is evil and there there cannot be any uh good country in the modern world we have to build a utopia a communist utopia so you know, I think that's really tragic uh, that we had that taken away. And that's part of the reason for the huge political divide. Uh, it's the far left's ideology surrounding America's values. But uh, I really wish that we could rebuild that. Do I think it's possible? I'm not sure at this point, but I think it's um, something that we could definitely work towards. Uh, in terms of what we still share, I mean, <sighs> I honestly, I don't know. Um I really don't know anymore. I think, you know, you can't say religion because, you know, it's not that Christianity is um, like the religion of America anymore. Uh, you can't say our love for our countries or morality. It's just, um, right. yeah, there isn't really anything I don't think that we share as a whole country anymore, other than the fact that we are all still Americans, regardless of whether or not we're proud of it. Right. You've and then, the- so I just, sorry, I, I just wanted to respond um, to something you were saying there. I, I think I, I, of, of course, you know, we can we can disagree on this. Um, I think I think when we talk about, you know, who has propagated an anti-American message, I think there are a couple of people to blame. There are, of course, the people who have said these things, um, some of which aren't even Democrats. They're just like left. You know, they're the far they're They are left of the Democratic Party. Um, but I, I think it's more than just the left side of the aisle, I think. And, and perhaps, you know, maybe they're maybe they're to blame because the you know, the, the, the flaws from a, from a, you know, from a far right perspective are just a reaction, but I think there's a, there's an issue with co-opting the idea of American excellence and, and the idea of American uh, greatness, which you see uh, in a lot of slogans that, you know, on their surface are fine, but when you see the people behind them and the, and the ideas behind them, one, it's not a representation of America and two, it, it, I mean, it's, it's taken to be that way by some people, which leads to, you know, in, in, in a, a misunderstanding and a, in a poorly placed blame on the country as a whole. So when people use, use slogans like, you know, America first or, or something like that, but then what's really behind it is that, you know, it's, it's their idea and, and their generally warped idea of America first, rather than, you know, the actual country. And, and I it's, mean, and it's, sorry. But would no. you disagree with the uh, concept of America first, just as a phrase, like putting America first? Well, it, it, it's it assumes um, it assumes that the phrase isn't, isn't theory laden. One one thing, Lottie, you said though was um, that um, we don't share any. You, what was the exact phrase you said? You said that we don't really share any. You don't really see any sort of common commonality between us, other than the fact that we are Americans. That was what you said, essentially, right? Yeah. Well, my my question. My main concern, and this gets the, um, this gets to the core of it, is um, if we have nothing um, other than that we are Americans, well, what what does it mean to be an American? What is America? Um, right. What what defines it? Are we a? And this is a question that I feel like it hasn't been sufficiently answered by anyone I've seen so far. Are is America um, specifically and primarily uh, one thing over another? Is it a religion? Uh, can't be that because it can't be that uh, anymore. Is it a particular um, ethnicity? Well, it could have been argued that it was at one point, historically speaking, but it can't anymore because of the demographics, the ethnic demographics. I don't think you could have ever made that case. The continental um, in the first, well, in the first continental Congress, um, um, civically speaking, the um, first continental Congress only, um, I believe recognized free white men of upstanding character, but even then that would bring up the issue of say women and children are women and children, not American. Perhaps I'm misremembering, but sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know how, how, how relevant this plays. Uh, yeah. Perhaps I'm misremembering, just, but there is no one 
for, I, I, the issue tends to then be, well, first off, what is America? Is it this? Is it that? And then it also becomes, is it only, or is it primarily defined as this and yeah. uh, that? Or is it religion? Is it ethnicity? Is it language? Is it geography? Mm-hmm. Um, typically, civic nationalists tend to view America as primarily a geographical location just, um, just defined by ideas. And I can't get behind that because it disregards the people. And disregards, and to an extent, it, it's it's in it's impersonal. It's well, what would you rather found so, it upon? I so, don't know what I would found it upon personally. I am, okay. I am without an opinion. I am more of the one raising questions. Okay. Sure. So sure. So I, I think Tony and I disagree here. I, I think of America as, as a as a as a set of values and beliefs rather than. Um, oh, I'm people, not saying and, and, I and the people play is something. I'm saying what is America? I'm not right, right. right. And 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 so that that's the question that I was going to ask, Lottie. Um, is you know so you already answered what what we do share and then so I, I think the more important question is is what what should we share um well uh i don't think you could say that um we should base you know what is america based off race because fundamentally the idea of america is that america is for everyone so if you look at other countries you know you have like a national racial or ethnic identity that is associated with that country um and america just fundamentally doesn't have that you can't say that america is a white country because from the beginning we were made for everyone um anyone can be an american and so I, i agree that america is a set of values rather than um any sort of ethnic or, you know, uh, religious identity. Um, Although religion could play into the cultural um, mindset that America started with, um, which is just, you know, the values of like liberty, um, individualism, things like that. But no, I I don't, um, I don't really know. I mean, beyond what we have already fallen away from that we would all kind of come together and relate to. Because like I said, I don't know if it's possible to bring back that spirit of American nationalism on both sides of the aisle. I just don't know if we can do that anymore. But like, ideally, I think that we would try to come back to that um, set of kind of Judeo-Christian morality that America was founded upon, um, our our founding values, um, because it just seems like people on both sides of the aisle really don't uh, believe in a lot of those values that they claim to believe in anymore so like yeah right. ideally that would be what america uh represents right so just yeah yeah just on that last point of the uh, of religion you know i'm the only not you know non-religious person between the three of us and i think anyone from you know overtly religious in the middle or or atheistic who understands america like will will um attribute much of much of its morality to judeo-christian values you know and 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 the only disagreement is over um maybe you know say the existence of god but i i don't think anyone um any, anyone uh, rationally disagrees that uh that america's morality and, and founding morality um that you know has has slipped in a way uh, is attributed to to you know western ideas of judeo-christian values um and then I, I don't know if I said it exactly earlier, but uh, and 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 I completely agree with the first thing Lottie was talking about how America is not a race, is not a, it's not an ethnicity. Um, you know, like fifty two percent of this country is white. It's not like eighty five percent. You know, it's not Switzerland where it's like I, I don't know the numbers, but like call it ninety eight, right? It's not that. Um, by the way, the numbers say it's it's like seventy two percent white, but that's because they count um, you know Hispanics. Hispanics, Hispanics is white. Um, mm-hmm. Regardless. Uh, you know, so I, I think I think America is a creed, right? I think America is a is a set of, of values and, and ideas and, and beliefs, and 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 like Lottie was saying, it it is for everyone and always has been for everyone. At least you know, I it that that's a that's a positive way of looking at it, and or you know, was always intended to be for everyone. And um, and uh, and even if you disagree with that, I think I think we can agree that that it it certainly should be. Um, so I think you know. I, I don't really care about the geography, you know, like the, you know, Niagara Falls is, is beautiful, but I don't, you know, that America could be anywhere on earth. And I would, you know, I would love what it stands for just the same as for, I think Tony asked this question earlier, you know, what is America? What is it worth fighting for? Or, or you know, is it worth fighting for? Um, it, what it's is like, it? How do, do we define sure. it? And I, right. and I still take issue with the, uh, with, with, um, I still take issues, for example, with the Charlie Kirk idea of America merely being a um, a placeholder for ideas, because I don't think that's enough. 
I'm I look at I've looked at every um at least every um answer that's been given and it's lacking in okay. some so way. I, sure. So I so I, I think of America as 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 a creed, as a set of of, of core principles. I, I don't think of it as I mean, obviously what comes to mind like is the country, of course, and, and that's you know that and that's the you know, ideally is the manifestation of those principles and, and ideas. But I, I, I really do think of it as a as a uh, as a core philosophy and a and a uh, you know and, and a and a political creed, right? Or you know, and a human creed. That's just you know, just to yeah, speak so, from my perspective. Yeah. I would, yeah. And the main reason I take issue with merely, with, with primarily and centrally defining America, um, which we would all, which then crosses over into the um, definition of a country, as primarily a creed and therefore ideas, is that you no longer have historically speaking a country; you have a religion, and so you're no longer talking about a country; you're talking about a religion. And uh, um, I can't. I cannot get behind that because I am already a religious person, or at least I try to be. Okay. And, um, I, I think I should clarify then. Like, I, I think I should clarify then that, that obviously the United States, you know, from, from geographic, you know, uh, whatever, Washington state down to Florida and from, you know, Southern California to, to uh, whatever the northernmost state is. Um, like, yes, that is, that is, the, the physical United States and is the physical home to the American creed and the, and the ideas that I'm talking about. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, that America is a, like, is a non-entity. Yes. I, I'm, so I'm saying that it is because you believe, because, because, so because you believe that the, um, because you believe that it's a particular geographical location with, in, in which um, a certain idea can thrive Sure. Um, for all people. So I'm not. I'm not familiar with these with these labels. I don't want to necessarily associate with one if it doesn't quite represent me. But that's sure. That it's that's most fine. Close. It sounds most closest to what I've heard from people who are publicly um, describing themselves as civic nationalists. Um, and then the the final the final thing I wanted to ask here, just so we don't get off topic, is uh, so we've talked about you know what values we do share, what values we should share, and everything like that, and and political division. And um, I think the final question is uh is 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 where do we go from here so i'll toss that over to either of you if you have anything to uh, off the top of your head go ahead tony father josiah trenham uh i would highly recommend both of you listen to his talks much more very edifying he was talking about what america needs in one lecture and what he said america needs primarily is uh repentance repentance and this is a religious this is a very religious take on uh the state of america we and um we very much are focusing on the sins of others we are focusing on what we find at fault but we're not looking at what is wrong with ourselves um because we can't because as uh, christ said you take out the log of your, out of your own eye before you take it the speck out of your others um, out of your brother's eye. The reason Christ said that wasn't to say ignore the sins of your brother, but rather you can't help your brother if your own sin is burdening you. And there, and so what he was saying, what I agree with is that we need to each be repenting of our own sin and of our own, um, and of our own faults because our country on both a collective level and individual level is full of sins, sins like abortions, sins like um, promiscuous sex, um, other uh, sexual sins, um, for example, um, um, great amounts of murder, great amounts of greed. And these are all things that many people are willing to look by or the ones or call out, but not do enough about. And oftentimes are caught um, secretly um, committing these same sins that they're calling out publicly. And so I, there's a great deal. Of I, I don't think you're ever going to eradicate human sin. No, you're and not. I'm, going I'm, to I'm sorry if I cut you sin. off, but also like, I, I'm not saying we should eradicate human sin. I'm saying it's getting to a level where we do need a bit of fasting and sackcloth before we can get back to any sort of healing a little bit, not, not complete. Sure. Never, but I need a, but we need more than what we are getting. Sure. I, th I think this shows our, our probably our different perspective on this. Cause yes. you, you know, you're like yours is like, you're talking about it's entirely um, a religious perspective. Um, so, you know, that, that's not where, where I'm coming from. Just uh, I'm sorry if I cut you off. Did you no, have no, anything? No, it's fine. It makes, okay. it makes perfect sense. You are. And I, and I don't want anybody to think that 
we can ever eradicate human sin. But sin, no. what, 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 but first off, also we have to understand that sin it is metaphysically, metaphysically speaking, sin is entropy. It is the decay of that which it, of that which exists. It is not a thing in of, of itself. And so if sin gets, mm -hmm. and so if sin, so to speak, runs wild, if entropy runs mm -hmm. wild, then there will, and we don't stop, um, then it comes to the point that where there is, it's not possible to stop because nothing is left to exist to begin with. And that's why I say repentance, because if we were, because if we do repentance, we might be able to stop what we, um, what America from ceasing to exist to begin with. Okay. I see you. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. Um, okay. Just, just real quick on, on my perspective. Um, so, you know, like I've been talking about this whole time and uh, I might sound like a bit of a, like a broken, um, what's the phrase? <laughs> the the broken saying? Broken. Okay. Thank you. Broken record. Um, on the, on the shared and unifying culture values and history. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how that happens. Like, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's very strong anymore. I don't know how it happens that we, that we get that back. Um, but that's, that's certainly what we need in, in my, in my opinion. Um, I'd have to think about a lot of, you know, ways that that could happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to come up with, you know, with like a, a specific plan because, you know there there are millions and millions of americans and i and look i, I don't ever think you're going to unify 330 million people like entirely but i think you can do a much better job than what we have now and and i i really hope uh that it's not something where you know once it's gone it's it's too late but uh and and i don't and i try not to think of it like that and i yes. i don't think it is and uh so i i really do i really do hope uh or, you know, to speak religiously, really do, uh, you know, pray for the future of the country that, um, that, you know, that, that, that we regain what, what once, you know, made us so unified and so powerful. Uh, and well, then closing, what do you think, by the way, sorry. So the question was, uh, what does America need? Like, what do we think America needs? Mm -hmm. Well, so a, a little bit of that. Um, and then this is just kind of our closing part on this segment, but, uh, you know, where, where do we go from here? Sort of the same thing as what, as what do we need? honestly god um at this point i this is a culture war right so there is no way to win this um legally i think it has nothing to do with the way our government is set up it has everything to do with um the way that we've interacted with each other and media mm -hmm. uh, which is all cultural so i think that we need to start bringing god back into um the normal cultural sphere we need to start talking more about religion because I think that's really going to push us towards the values that come along with religion, which just so happened to line up really well with the founding uh, values of America. Um, and it's, you know, not necessarily um, saying that everyone has to be conservative, although it would be ideal for me personally. But I think that just everyone needs to be getting closer to um, what I personally believe would help us all as a country, which is just following those Judeo-Christian values that have led us for so long and have guided us well. I mean, if you look at people who um, follow Judeo-Christian values, you know, Christians and how happy they are compared to their atheist counterparts in life, you know, whether or not you believe there is a God, you, can, you can't say um, that Christians aren't happier. They are undeniably happier. So I I'm think not, that... Uh, I'm not, for, I don't speak for all Christians. <laughs> Huh? I, I was making a, I was making a um, I was making a dark joke that I'm not happy. But Thank you, Tony. <laughs> you're welcome. But yeah, I mean, it's just so clear to me that that lifestyle, uh, it makes people happy and that culture makes people happy. And it's um, probably going to help heal our country and our political divide a little bit if we just get a little bit closer to God. May I add one last thing before we move on to the next segment? Sure. Um, um, it is it is interesting. Um, bringing religion back is important. And I think um the boldness which with which people in our day-to-day -day lives speak about religion is important because I think as a um, as a trickle effect of separation of church and state was the idea that if religion is a private matter then there is no reason to discuss it in a public space and I think that's been detrimental because I think that discussing religion even if it is something that is uh, strictly speaking a private matter discussing it in a public space is important so that we understand what it is we're doing because religion plays a larger, um, anyone who is religious knows 
um, just how important it is to your personal life and your personal life dictates how you interact with greater society. And so a greater public discussion among the citizens about their own religion would be, I think, important. There is, especially with the increasing diversity and introduction of other religions into America, um, Islam is increasing in its numbers, not due to conversion primarily, but due to the number of kids we're having. And so I think it's important for Christians to have a greater amount of discussions uh, with Islam to learn what it is they believe and what vision they would have for society because certainly the Muslim um, vision of society, while perhaps having similarities, would have differences as well. Same with the Sufis. I am incredibly interested in Sufism and learning about it. But And they will probably be more Sufi immigrants. Okay, um, in the future. I think we're getting a little, little off. Yes, but I'm just, I wanted to just briefly mention, since she, she offered a somewhat religious solution, I wanted to mention that as well. Okay, sure. So is that, and, and final, final question, you can answer pretty shortly. Um, is, is that, you know, I, I, is, is this your view for kind of a, a process of, of how we uh, get back to what I'm talking about? Or is this a, a like solution and, and you leave it a there? A process and, of and, reconciliation. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just, you know, so, so that your, your view is not mm-hmm. that like, that the end no, goal no. This is won't, is an entirely uh, religious body, but no. that it's it's more of a process. Okay, all right, I got you. And then Lottie, what? Uh, so your your view of of uh, of you know religious reconciliation is is more of a process to get back to what we're talking about, um, rather than you know maybe you know a, a permanent form of American life and government. Um. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Okay, <laughs> great. All right, now it's for now, now. it's time for our favorite segment where we answer some listener questions. Uh, first one is from Pierce. Uh, he says, "What do you guys honestly think about President Trump? What problems do you have with him? What's one thing you love that he's done?" Uh, do you want me to take this one, or do you guys want to go Let's first? Let's have you go first. Yeah. Who? Lottie. Okay. Okay. So. I think I've said this in our first episode, but basically to give a brief recap, um, Trump is kind of a sleazeball. We all know it, but uh, all in all, I like his policies a lot and I like them a lot better than Joe Biden's. Of course, I'm pro-life before anything else. And I am a Catholic. I don't think Trump has exactly Catholic morality, but his policies policies in terms of like conservatism, though, uh, did the best we got. Uh, I would definitely prefer like a more Reagan conservative. Um, but in terms of this election, yeah, I would definitely say that I support Trump over Biden, um, even if he's kind of greasy. Sure. Um, so what do I honestly think about President Trump? I really do not. I, I, <laughs> I really don't like him. <laughs> I, not at all. And uh, what problems do I have with him? Uh, I, I think, like Lottie said, I might I might talk a little bit more harshly about him than than she did, but truly like a, a, a bad, a bad guy. Um, what, what's one thing you love that he's done? I mean, I think his, at least some of his policy platforms align with mine. No. Oh, wait, you know, I forgot to say that. What? I forgot to say one thing I like that he's done. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, my favorite thing I think that he's done very cliche of me to make everything about Jews, but I really like that he moved the uh, embassy to Jerusalem instead of Tel Aviv because Tel Aviv is definitely the um, heart of Israel in terms of um, like it's a major city. It's where we're progressing the most technologically, but Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And I really liked him respecting that, unlike the Obama administration. Religiously sure. speaking, I actually would I actually don't mind that as well because we're, there's a lot of religious history um, in Jerusalem, so it would certainly, at least from, it has possibilities. If there were a drinking game for every time Tony starts a sentence on this podcast with like religiously speaking, I mean, I get out. <laughs> it would be out. wasted. Yeah, get well, out. Thankfully, I don't drink, so yeah. Oh well, yeah, uh, you know, religiously speaking, I don't drink. Religious, uh, it's gonna yeah. Be, <laughs> it's going to be. I'm. It's gonna be my version of Ben Shapiro's. Let's say hypothetically. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, continuing on the question. Um, uh, what problems do I have with him? You know, very many. When we don't, you know, we have to go on with it because, um, you know, we take up a little bit too much time. And then w- one thing that I love that he's done. Um, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I'm not religious, but I do appreciate his, his, him being the most pro-Israel president we've ever had. Um, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of Americans who, you know, have a big issue uh, with that, which I really do not like. And I can appreciate what Trump has done there uh, economically. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's entirely valid to put too much like, you know, onus on the president for the, for the success of the economy. But I mean, he certainly benefited in some way. Um, so for that, I'll, I'll say that, that I like that. Tony. I originally didn't, I was young. Well, I was 15 when I, during the, uh, um, during the uh, 2016 election. So when he was elected, I didn't like him. It was only a couple months afterwards, after he was elected, that I started following politics. I started following politics because of Trump and because of the election. I don't anymore, but I did then. And I actually started liking some of the things I saw him doing. Like, I believe the Dakota Access Pipeline, for example, I think he signed an order on that. And he brought certain companies, tech companies, I believe. He made them bring factories back to the U.S. So I appreciated various economic things he did. And so I was liking Trump for economic reasons. As I got older, I both got less concerned with Trump and I also, but I also became less impressed with his overall ability to handle bureaucracy. And so I've, I no longer like Trump. I don't really like him. I, I think it is his incompetence, especially, um, especially um, shined during the looting and the rioting that was done, I think, uh, um, in the in name of George Floyd, but I think wrongly done in the name of George Floyd because it in no way helped him. And even his brother said so that it would not that he wouldn't have George Floyd's brother said it wouldn't have helped him, and he didn't like it. And I and I and so I I was saying during that period, you know, Trump is tweeting law and order, but he's not enforcing it. He wasn't stopping the violence he wasn't stopping people's lives from being destroyed and just, just to be me, just yeah. to be broader so like you know uh, you don't have to expand fully on you know what problems you might have with him if you know maybe yeah. just simplify it to i, think I you he's know ineffective i think he okay. was ineffective at also um he was definitely ineffective at um enacting certain policies i mean even if you i'm not going to say whether i was or wasn't for the wall but the wall never was built for example and many people ditched trump because he didn't uh because he never did he didn't do jack for the wall and a lot of people um for economic um, for their economic reasons and for their demographic reasons wanted that wall to be built and he never did anything about it so mm -hmm. yeah but i don't like trump and, for moral reasons and for affection right. and in terms of his efficacy and then uh, voting for him. Right. And then what's one thing you love that he's done? Uh, like I said, I do like the fact that they did do some things for the um, economy at the beginning. Right, right, um, right. did produce some jobs, but I think the good he has done has outweighed the ultimate good. And I don't see him as something worthy of voting for. I don't see, I, I see Biden. I, I see this election as the least. It outweighed what? What, what? what outweighed the, can you um, just. Good. Just um, his merits outweigh um, don't outweigh his uh, negatives. Okay, gotcha, so gotcha. I be voting for him, right? And yeah, so I see I see Biden and Trump as sort of the same, and I therefore see this election as a very unimportant election. Really? Yes, because they're both the same. There's no difference, and so if there's no difference, and it's not important who you vote for, therefore it's an unimportant election. Tony has gone full like Joker pessimist. No, um, well, it, I don't like Joker. I hate that movie. Okay. Really, dude? I oh my god, you are. I'm a, I'm a wild card, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get into a big a big fight about uh, about Trump, we can just move on. Uh, maybe we can save that. Well, for... hey, I agree with you. You don't like Trump. I don't like Trump. So there's... right, right, for sure, for sure. No, I don't mean between the two of us. I mean, I, ah. I just I see Lottie with a little bit of an angry face right now. Um, I'm zoning okay. out. <laughs> okay. Uh, our second question. Um, from Justin, not me, different Justin, I promise. Um, my question is, what do you think is the optimal healthcare plan that will benefit all Americans? What are your thoughts on socialized medicine and Medicare for all? Uh, I, I prepared a little bit of something for this. Uh, I think 
for the most part, we can expand on this probably in a different episode. I think we'll probably dedicate, you know, a, a meat segment of an episode to, uh, to healthcare policy. Cause I think it is, uh, it's a very, you know, it's a very nuanced debate, but uh, in short, I think the flaws in the American healthcare system from like c- come from a lack of commitment to one path to, you know, a free market based uh, system and a completely government controlled system. And I think the U.S. is, is kind of stuck in no man's land, which leads to a lot of its flaws. Um, so there's there's heavy regulation. And some people think it's like you know, it's the Wild West, the American healthcare system. It's really not. There's heavy uh, government regulation. Um, and it, I think it has to choose a specific route. Um, I think it, I think it should choose um, more free market one. Someone might think that it should choose the Medicare for all government um, kind of takeover of the industry. Um, which would technically be better than what we have now, but I, I still would not prefer it. I would prefer the the, the free market um, solution um, because in, in government control, there's there's little to no competition in market prices, and so it becomes you know significantly expensive, um, even if it's you know quote unquote free. It's it's really it's not. Um, and markets, uh, you know, really, I think, are the solution to medical care, uh, making it a commodity and not a right. Declaring something a right does not make it exist. I think declaring something a commodity allows the market to function, making it, you know, come into existence um, just through simple, just through simple um, supply and demand, and, and and supply and demand in government-sponsored um, uh, healthcare just. It, there, there, there's a, there is a significant imbalance there. And when people talk about waiting times in, in, uh, in countries with socialized medicine, um, that's largely because of, a, of an imbalance in supply and demand uh, where demand begins to outweigh the supply and anything uh, government sponsored will always resort to some level of rationing. And, and, and not to mention government sponsored uh, healthcare violates liberty because um, I don't think anyone has a right to someone else's labor just, you know, spoken like a true libertarian. Um, for example, the, the one that's propped up by a lot of Americans, the Canadian healthcare system, uh, I suppose it could be helpful if you're talking, uh, you know, in, in a vacuum, uh, it, it's helpful for, you know, routine checkups, for example, but there's a reason why a lot of Canadians like drive across the border for a significant procedure that they need because the quality is higher. And yes, the price is higher, but they can get it the next day um, and, and get it better done. Um, Fraser Institute, uh, has, has cited data that, you know, thousands of Canadians die, um, waiting for a procedure or waiting for healthcare, uh, because of some of the things I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the, there's a reason why free market options have cropped up in Canada in Britain, you know, with the national healthcare system, um, which fill in the major gaps left by government. You know, th- there's a reason why they're, because it, 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 it never would have worked for them to be, or it, you know, it wasn't working for them to be entirely government controlled, which is why um, some free market aspects have, have uh, cropped up there. Uh, a quote from Fraser Institute's look into the Canadian healthcare system, uh, quote, the estimated 44,273 Canadian women who have lost their lives between 1993 and 2009 as a result of lengthy delays in receiving care may have died needlessly because of policy approaches that are inherently flawed and arguments against sound affected policies based in rhetoric rather than fact. And the rhetoric part sort of stuff you'll hear, you know, say from Bernie Sanders, healthcare is a human right. Um, that That's fine. I mean, there are plenty of countries in there are plenty of impoverished countries with which declare healthcare and housing a human right, and I don't see a lot of housing there, right? Um, and that's simply because the market, you know, does not function when you declare something a government-sponsored right, or or can't function fully. Um, and I think the American healthcare system, of course, I'm not, uh, you know, entirely defending it. I'm I'm critiquing it and trying to make it better here. Um, but I think you know I, I have disagreements with people on how to make it better, uh, and I think both systems suffer both being American and Canadian, as we're talking about, or just, you know, socialized medicine in general, they suffer from an adherence to the status quo, um, where I think a, a, a shift, a significant reform and shift in a free market direction would be better, at least for the United States. Do you guys have anything to add? Um, I mean, yeah, basically socialized medicine was just proven not to work, especially in countries like Canada that kind of have 
what uh, the left's trying to implement in America right now. Like, it obviously just does not function. And um, as someone on Medicaid, like, obviously, there need to be uh, nets in the system to catch people who are um, underprivileged. Right, right. But like, at the end of the day, it should be mostly privatized system. I agree. Right. So, I, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's a good way of putting it where I think I think the market should be in control and the government fills in the gaps where necessary um, rather than the other way around. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today and listening to the random garbage that we spot on this podcast. I love all of you. And oh, how dare you? <laughs> I keep ruining my recording. Continue. Continue. This is how I talk about my own Twitter page and it, it gets attention. So this is how I will do it. Do Are we still recording? Still recording. <laughs> we have I'll, to I'll, I'm going to upload this. Continue. No, we have Go to redo on. it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the random garbage that we talked about in this podcast today. Um, I would love for you guys to find us on Twitter. I think it's regrettably Zoomer Pod. Regrettably Z Pod is our at. Justin, can you verify that? I know you have Twitter. Yes, at Regrettably Z Pod. Thank you. <laughs> I love how you guys get on Twitter whenever I'm trying to record. So thank you so much for watching. And we're still on uh, Spotify, I believe it is. That's being upheld. Spotify, all sorts of other places, uh, Google Podcasts, Breaker, everything like that. Yeah, so we're leaving SoundCloud um, in case you guys do not know, just to give you a little bit of an update. But um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.